And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on today's experience. It's Expository Thursday as we work together to know the letter better into the narrative of the book of Acts. We travel to understand what things the Lord requires of us as we learn to apply God's timeless truths in our lives. First, in the days of our youth, if you were a typical child or teenager, you would see just how much you could get away with regarding our parents and their knowledge and punishment and swiftness to catch us. Uh, A lot of people did that. But now that we're grown up, or better said, some people uh, act like they're, pretend like they're grown up, some people still play this game even though we're older. You know who we play this game with? God. Newsflash, we will get away with exactly zero with God. So why test the Spirit of the Lord? Next, we often talk about fear in the Bible. One fear robs life, and another fear of honor, respect, and appreciation is what we're supposed to have before the Lord. But let's not be unaware that the Lord does drop the holiness hammer from time to time, and our response should be steeped in maturity. An overwhelmingness admit, emits or comes from God when his judgment falls around us, and it produces a holy tremble. And rightly so, because God even said to Moses, you're standing on holy ground. And finally, what is the result of God dropping his judgment on Ananias and Sapphira? That's what we talked about the other week or a couple weeks ago. People were more careful about joining the church. But, but wait, Dave, don't we want anybody to join the church from anywhere? No. If people join the church like they join a country club for the benefits and advantages— It is the Lord who will respond. He's not looking for half-hearted followers or pretenders. That makes him nauseous. He's looking for the real deal. David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavily talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. Politics, entertainment, and current events. Personal revelations, spiritual observations. My life's insanities, and oive, so much more. Hey, we're asking you, what do you think? You can email us, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. You can text us, 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. Or you can call us at 972-445-0770. That's 972-445-0770. When you do that, Captain Chris will answer the phone, and then you will be... Now, keep in mind, any topic is open for conversation because it's not professional radio. It's just 
radio. And some people have wondered if it's actually radio or what's going on in the studio. It's kind of radio. <laughs> yeah, you know. This is, like, this is what my mom would have said. Anyway. Um, <laughs> just reminded me of a funny story about a preacher, a really, really well-known preacher. He preached this great message. He just lights out, and he comes back. He's telling this story to a group of pastors. And he said he came back, and he said, his wife, he said to his wife, what do you think? She went, eh. <laughs> He goes, boy, he goes, talk about being, being brought down a notch. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just classic. All right, so maybe you have an opinion, a thought, a comment. Maybe you've got an idea, something you want to share. It's not a kvetch fest. We're more about encouraging and strengthening one another. We understand there's a lot of yucky, yuck, yuck, yuck out there. Okay, you don't have to tell me. There's many a yucky donut out there. Okay, believe it or not. And the yucky donut is anything that's world or worldly inside the donut, then it's yucky. Here's the bottom line. Okay? Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another daily. Hebrews 10.25 says, as we see the day of the Lord approaching, put them together and you get what's going on. That's really what the whole context of, uh, of Hebrews is, by the way, to encourage people to keep going no matter what they're facing. Bottom line to that, that's what we want to do. We want you to have an opportunity to strengthen one another, bless one another. If you've got a prayer request, a praise report, anything like that, or if you know, perhaps Bible trivia. I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Who said, I am the good shepherd? Who said, I am the good shepherd? If you think you know the answer, you can call 972-445-0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483. You can send an email, david at he must increase.org. You're able to do those things. Is there anything else? i got to see if there's something else I was supposed to cover. I just keep thinking there was something. See, I mentioned school. Be praying for one another. Stop looking at the world. Walk by faith and not by sight. Okay, that's a big one. Walk by faith and not by sight. Do not let everything you see detour your faith. Keep your eyes on who? Jesus. What are you supposed to do? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Who are you supposed to keep your eyes on? Jesus. You think there's a theme there? I think so. Uh, Somebody ready to answer a trivia question? Here we go. This is David. Who am I talking to? This is Gary. Hey, Gary. Good to hear your voice. I'm glad you called in on this one. This is, this is a central. This is like a central, central one. I think people need to really recognize it. So I'm glad you're the one that's doing it. Who said, I am the good shepherd? Jesus. That is correct, Amundo! <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And that's what people need to recognize. So when, it, when David made reference to Psalm uh, 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. It's like, man, if you got connection to Jesus, you can be in that place where you will not want nor be in need because he's your shepherd. Great job, Gary. I appreciate it, brother. Well, thank you. All right. All right. We're rolling. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Excellent job by Gary. Loving it. Loving it. Loving it. All right. Let's get into our text. We need to, what do we have? We have our uh, expository teaching. This is such a dumb sound. But I like it, so go ahead and play it. Wow! <laughs> wow! All I can say is wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! All I can say is wow! I didn't say it was brilliant. 
I just want to point that out. We are in this text. So I'm going to read, I do a little ramp-up read because that's the best way to do it. Uh, this has to do with Ananias and Sapphira. You know that we haven't talked about this for two weeks because we did our Christmassy thing, and then we did our New Year'sy thing, and now so now we're coming back to this. It's been like literally two weeks, two, three weeks since we've heard about this. So I want to do a quick uh, ramp-up. Uh, let's see. Here's what Peter said in Acts chapter 5. I think it's chapter 5. Uh, verse 4. While it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but God. Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now we're picking it up at verse 7. That's where we were before. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. That's right. If she knew what would happen, I would think that she would have changed her tune pretty fast. Verse 8, and Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you've agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? And that right there, that's a good 20-hour sermon. How is it that we have agreed to test the Spirit of the Lord? Why is it that we operate from time to time seeing how much we can get away with, as though God will not notice? And before you say you don't do it, you've done it, so stop that, okay? That's a whole other thing. Even just saying that is doing that. So don't do that. I want you to consider this, and I'm going to really challenge you in your thinking, because this is the early part of the church, and God is making a statement. And if God doesn't respond forcefully, some people in the church life could think, well, maybe God could be fooled. Maybe you could get one by him. But he is making a statement saying, no, no. No, you will be truthful and you will be honest with one another. In fact, if he didn't respond forcefully to Ananias and Sapphira, some people in the church might have thought that holiness was an option. Well, you know, maybe I have to, maybe I don't. What's the worst that can happen? Well, apparently God can smite you on the spot. So, yeah, that's good. So the whole premise behind this, before everybody gets overly theological and tries to figure out the intricacy, is that Ananias and Sapphira lied, tried to present themselves as something that they weren't, and God exposed them, which tells you you can't get away with anything like that. You should know that now. There's no point in even trying to you know get around or if I just do this really quietly. Uh-uh. If the Holy Spirit lives inside you, uh-uh. You see what I'm saying? Unless you turned off your inside, now you're a robot. Bottom line, here's what God's statement is on the whole premise. Here's what God has to say. I hate sin. That's what God said. Sin is what separated us from God in the first place. That's why Jesus had to come in the first place. This is what God is saying in the overall with Ananias and Sapphira. I hate sin. Stop it. That's what he said. Everybody's like going, whoa, exactly, exactly what the Lord was communicating. All right, we're going to take a break and come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Most of my life, it feels like I've been running. 
This KAAM radio show with your very own David Spoon is not a business, but a nonprofit ministry first and foremost committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and strategically equipping the saints. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Christian believers, the hurting, and those not yet believers who need biblical truths. To continue our radio ministry and message of truth, we need many of our faithful listeners to support us, as well as ministry partners who might wish to sponsor the He Must Increase ministry. By giving, you wonderfully facilitate our priorities of assertively teaching the Word of God, and you get nothing in return. No quid pro quo. Nothing but a receipt at the end of the year indicating you gave to us since your donation is 100% tax-deductible. Remember that it says in Corinthians that whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Or in Proverbs, where it teaches that a generous person will prosper, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But if you cannot give, no problem. Continue to enjoy and learn and give however you see fit whenever you can. To support us, go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Such support is terribly appreciated, knowing it enables our beloved David Spoon to give to all of us his time, energy, like so few can. Right here on KAAM. Who is David Spoon? We have on the line Tina from Elko. And Tina, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing today? What? I am doing great. One, the, is this the first time you've heard the show? No, I listen to you every time I get into my car when I leave my job. Ah, awesome. Thank you very much. Is there anything that we can be praying for just to be in agreement with you regarding anything that the Lord's working on in you? Yeah, there okay. is. Okay, fire away. Um, first of all, I'd like to see my family's hearts turn. Second of all, I am not putting God first and... I'm not being obedient in certain ways. Let me sum it up a little bit. I have a boyfriend. Okay. I should answer it. So I really need prayer to get back on track with God. Okay. Let me pray with you, okay? Okay. Thank you. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you right now, and we lift up Tina to you, and we ask you right now in the name of Jesus that uh, first and foremost you would work on her family's hearts, that uh, there'd be a softening, and that there would be a grace and a mercy given uh, to the family and uh, between the relationship that Tina has with the family, and we just pray that your mercy would prevail, and we just pray that you would encourage her. Instead of this being a discouragement, let this become an encouragement that she is a daughter of the Most High seeking out help from her Heavenly Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. We got our next trivia question, and we're going to have to play the horn. All right, for those that do not know, for those that are unaware, the horn is a warning. It is telling you, sneakiness hath come upon thee, okay? Well, it probably doesn't do it in the King James. It probably just, you know, sneaky, okay? 
You have a one out of three shot here. And my first inclination is to tell you to go with your first inclination. How about that? Ooh, good, good one. Did Solomon, Job, or David say, In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Did Solomon, Job, or David say, In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Let's give a shout-out to Joanne and Cordelia, who nailed it right away. Very impressive, ladies. Always, always, always impressive. By the way, if you think you know the answer, you can call in at 972-445-0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483. You can also send an email, David at he must increase.org. Al has come up with the answer of the day, maybe the week. You know what Al's answer is? Yes. <laughs> All right, we got our joke ready right here. Yes. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, okay, this joke. Oh, we did. Uh, oh, somebody's calling it. Oh, well, you just, you're going to have to wait now because I already have the joke in my hand. See, that's the problem. The problem is when you guys call in and you're going to answer a trivia question. If I have the joke in my hand, that's how I determine whether I do the joke or not. Is that uh, scientific or spiritual? No. But we're still doing the joke first and then we'll get the person. So we're right. Okay. Are they going to be able to hang on? Okay. All right. I, I saw that face. I know what that meant. All right. Here we go. Uh, now, if you don't like this joke, it's okay. I forgive you. How about that? Instead of me asking you. So gracious. Thank you. (laughs) A bishop was an avid duck hunter and was in the market for a new bird dog. His search ended when he found a dog that could actually walk on water to retrieve a duck. Shocked by his find, he was sure none of his friends would ever believe him. He decided to try and break the news to a friend of his, a pessimist by nature, and invited him to hunt with him and his new dog. As they waited by the shore, a flock of ducks flew by. They fired, and a duck fell. The dog responded and jumped into the water. The dog, however, did not sink, but instead walked across the water to retrieve the bird, never getting more than his paws wet. The friend saw everything but did not say a single word. On the drive home, the hunter asked his friend, Did you notice anything unusual about my new dog? I sure did, responded his friend. He can't swim. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) He can't swim. (laughs) Walks across. Okay. You ready to? (laughs) Okay, sure. All right, let's go. (laughs) This is David. Who am I talking to? Um, it's Deborah. Hi, Deborah. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm I'm feeling good. Uh, you know, kind of pretty sad yesterday in regards to Ray, but doing a little bit better today, and just really blessed to have been in relationship with him, knowing that he passed on to the Lord, but knowing that it the Lord was gracious to him, and what a wonderful man he was. So, uh, awesome. but I'm doing much, much better today. So, thank you, and I appreciate that. All right. So now this is a this is not an easy one, but I that's why I said go with your first like kind of like your gut. Did Solomon, Job, or David say, "In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame." Well, I mean, I'm probably wrong, but I thought it was David. That is correct. 
You are the best guesser this show has. You have the highest percentage of guest correction than anybody. Excellent job. And that's, it's not that a lot of people think Job would do that because it's like, Job, that doesn't sound like Job. Job sounds like I'm throwing out my, my, you know, my, my, my little television. I'm mad, you know, I'm kicking stuff around. But Solomon, (laughs) there, there could be that challenge. So excellent job. Excellent, excellent job on your part. Fantastic. God bless you. Have a good night. All right. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. What a great job. Ooh, really, really good. Kirk just sent me an email saying 17 times in the Psalms that says the Lord is called a refuge. For those that don't know uh, what a refuge is, it's kind of like a lean-to. I mean, that's the, the, the first, that's not the only picture. It's just one of the pictures where when you're in the, on the forest or whatever and it starts raining and you have to have something and you put it over your head and you lean it against a tree and then you put up some kind of stick so the, the rain doesn't fall on you, that's, what the word, that's where the word uh, kind of comes from. In case anybody, nobody probably cares. <laughs> I just thought I'd share it with you anyway. All right, let's get back to the text. We are back into our text now. Anything else? Did I miss anything? No? Good? All right, good. All right, so let's go. I want to talk to you about this one thing. Now, I don't want you to get legalistic on me. I want you to be careful. You know, as we go through this uh, scripture, you know, I believe it's really important for us to be aware that God requires and demands of us a certain level and expectation of living. He, it, Salvation is not in play in the sense of being saved as much as reflecting Jesus is in play, which is something that impacts your eternity, certainly from a rewards point of view, without a question there. Here's what Peter said, and here's the rest of this text I want to finish up on. Peter said to her, how is it that you've agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young man came in and found her dead and carried carried her out and buried her by her husband. So this is the part I want you to catch. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Now, the scripture takes time to point out two very important elements. And and for those that are theologically twisted, Peter didn't kill anybody. Okay, there's some people that say, Peter killed him. It's like, how? (laughs) Answer. Okay. I don't think you can go dead and then dead. It just doesn't just really know how that works. So the bottom line is there were two groups that were affected by Ananias and Sapphira. Both groups are very significant. And one is a grand challenge to the way that America does a lot of church. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. Verse 11, great fear came upon all the church. Who? The church. The church was like, hey, hey. Hey, this isn't a game. It's not a social club. When I was a younger boy, we in Southfield, Michigan, went town and country, uh, town and country club in in Southfield, Michigan. We'd go swimming and it's stuff. And that this is not that. This is not. Oh, this is a good place to make good contacts. And if you go to a big enough church, you're gonna have good enough business contacts, and uh, you can do this for networking. And the church is not that. Okay. The church is the assembled of the ecclesia, the people called and ordained of God to fellowship with God for all eternity. And that's important. And let me tell you the other group that knew what was going on, and that's everybody else who heard about it who wasn't in the church. Now, in American church 
productions, there's a greater just get them in the door, just get them in the door, you know, we'll take care of it from there kind of attitude. But that's not in Scripture that same way. Proclaiming the gospel to everybody is in Scripture that way. But having everybody a part of it, no matter what, even if they're unbelievers, is not a part of it that same way. In fact, less than 10%—actually, it's less than 7%. When I did the report, 7% of the instructions for the church have to do with people who are visiting the church who are unbelievers. 93% of the instruction in church has to do with believers and how they behave with one another and how they engage with one another, how they do church together, okay? The point in that is to understand that it's not get them in the door at all costs, whatever the case may be. That's not really scriptural. I understand it. I don't necessarily disagree with doing events that bring people in. I think that part's fine. I just don't have a problem with that. But look at what the passage is saying. Fear came upon all those who are in the church and on everyone who heard these things. Hey, you don't become a Christian and just join because it's healthy for your bank account or for your social status. You become a Christian because you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was buried, and three days later he rose again, he ascended to the Father, and he's returning, coming back soon. You become a Christian because you are in or committing to being fully in the kingdom of God and helping advance the kingdom of God, even to your own personal distress. Well, that doesn't sound like a very good positive program. Correct. On the earth, it's not a very positive program. I mean, I don't, I don't know why that's hard. This is the greatest self-help program is Christianity in the sense that you die to yourself. It's like that's the biggest help ever because now you're done. That's it. Over. And so the people were like, whoa. That's what I want you to get. And then when God does that, when God does judgment, so in our society we have people you know, something happens in nature or something happens here, and then they go, it's the judgment of God. When God does something, nobody wonders. <laughs> Was that God? No, you know it's God. When big boulders that are 90 feet wide start dropping on the earth, you'll know it's God, okay? Not, not, did you see that storm that came through? Like, no, okay? The ecosystem's been a mess since sin. Just read Romans chapter 8 and Romans chapter 1, you'll catch it, you'll catch on. Bottom line here, is God establishes his holiness, and we respect that. And he makes declaration as he sees fit. All right, folks, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Taking a short break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Just as I am, he reach down. The David Spoon Experience. You don't know what's going to happen in one minute, let alone one hour from now. And God, who it's impossible for God to lie, has made this commitment, made this offer, made this opportunity to both you and me and all of us around. The simplicity is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that the wages of that sin, the wages falling short, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And God, demonstrating his love for us, sent Jesus Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. 
God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There is nothing more important than that principle right there, the hope that is offered to believers who acknowledge and surrender to the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what's being offered. That's what gives you encouragement. That's what enables you to go on. You're going to have a lot of sorrow in this life. Job said it best, a man's days are few and full of trouble. But in the next, there is something so wonderful that even in man's mind, we cannot retain it. For eye has not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has, can the heart comprehend, can, can't even receive the great things which God has prepared for them that love him. There's such a great thing that's coming for us, such a great place, such a wondrous place. But you got to acknowledge the invitation. You got to say yes, because if you don't say yes, you're not going to that wedding. The wedding of the Lamb. Don't be that person. Don't be that person that rejects it. Don't be that person that lives in sorrow and grief and in sadness. Don't be that person. Be the one that says yes so that you can be a part of the great wedding feast, that you can be a part of the great celebration. Oh, life is much more than this 60, 70, 80, 90 years. It's eternity on the line. And if you've already said yes, rest in the comfort. Rest in that place. Rest in that goodness. That all is well. And even on this side, if it's hard, on the other side, it's glorious. Sometimes Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Get ready for another trivia question. You guys should be able to get this one. I'm confident. Who said or who swore, ooh, different, who swore, I don't know the man? Who swore, I don't know the man? Who said that? If you think you know, you can call in 972-445-0770. You can text in 214-210-8483. You can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org which we always take this time to also remind you about the website. The website's a place where you can invest in this ministry. If the ministry blesses you, that's great. If you want to know how to give and you're uh, unable to, you are always welcome, by the way, to uh, text me after the show on the regular text number, and then I'll set it up where if you want to call me, I can help you coordinate a, uh, a giving donation. We basically use Square. This is kind of what we use, so it's not that complex. Uh, and uh, everybody has that opportunity, but we want you to invest because we want to expand. We want to expand as much as we can the kingdom of God through what we're doing. Get it? I mean, it's not overly complex. So please check out hemustincrease.org. 
You know, David would really like it if you checked out his website. He worked really hard on it and it looks really nice. He must increase.org. He must increase.org. He must increase.org. Okay. If you can't figure out that, then I can't I can't help you. <laughs> nice job, Gab Chris. Nice job. Uh, okay, let's do our uh, history. Oh, we do got to repeat the question, right? Okay, who said, who said, I don't know the man? Okay, now, for those that want a different translation of that, I do not know the man. And then if you want the Greek, man, I know not him. Well, that would be the Greek if you want to do that. So I'm just giving you everything you can use. Okay, who said that? If you think you know the answer, reach out to us, 972-445-0770-214-210-8483, or send an email to David at he must increase.org. Fire away on the history. Let's go live big in the past. Let's go live big in the past. All right, a couple things that I should tell you. This one is definitely worthwhile. We do have somebody calling in, so let's make sure we stay on top of that. Uh, today, oh, I guess they hung up. Uh, today is National Take Down Your Christmas Tree Day. Okay. Now this would be my argument. I assume your Christmas tree is. Did you have one? You know, I I didn't put one up. Okay. But I would have taken it down before now. Before now, you see, this is where I have the argument with other Christians saying, "Oh, this is the it's a god, and people are offering presents to it, and you know, so on and so forth." This is Christmas tree. I mean, I'm telling you, I've pulled out Christmas trees with. 1,000 plus needles all over my carpet. I promise you, tis no God. <laughs> the things that I've said. <laughs> Wait, you don't pray to your Christmas tree? I don't what? You don't pray to your Christmas tree, God? No. Oh. No. In fact, what I do pray is that my wife would think, hey, this poster would be an excellent Christmas tree. <laughs> That's what. You know, that hasn't worked. Yeah, I, I I imagine not. No, she's like totally. She's got, but she's into crafts, right? She's a flower manager. She's in, so she's got like, you know, two hundred villages that she's hand painted. I'm not kidding. It's just a bizarre. It's like wow. So I just support her and smile. No, no, don't forget. You offer my... tours of your house? Yes. <laughs> no. Well, yes, because the family's coming. <laughs> so yes. Nothing, everything's down on the outside. It's on the inside. Everything is exactly the way it was. And nay shall it be toucheth. Is <laughs> that good? Nay. Uh, today is also National Shortbread Day. I'm okay for that. Apple Tree Day. Okay. Well, okay. Sure. And then uh, it's uh, uh, Cuddle Up Day. Okay, which I think my dogs have apparently read because they do that all the time. Uh, 1838 on this day, Samuel Morris first successfully tested the elect- electrical telegraph. And then uh, last but not least, <laughs> i got to be really careful how I say this. All right. Uh, 1969, President Jimmy Carter saw a UFO. According to President, he would file a report incident in 1973 stating it was the darndest thing I've ever seen. It was big, it was bright, it changed colors, and it was about the size of the moon. Uh, reporter Jack Daniels said, really? Okay. Uh, <laughs> did you like that? <laughs> Come on. Come That's on. a good response. That was a good response. All right, let's go back to the text. Everybody relax. People get upset about the silliest things. Relax. All right, let's go back into this. We're in uh, the Acts uh, portion. 
and I want to make sure people understand uh, what we're talking about. So let's do this Acts chapter uh, uh, 5, verse 12, right? I hope I'm on 512. No, yeah, I'm on 512. I had to check. Is that terrible? Uh, this, this is verse 12. And through the hands, this is now after all these things with Ananias and Sapphira, right? Now we're going to this post position. Like, okay, that happened, right? Now we're at verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of them, yet none of the rest dared dared to join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Now, I want you to just stop right there because we just talked about the fact that your church is not supposed to be a country club. It's not an advantageous place for you to go and do business or a super awesome place for you twice a year to feel really good about, I don't know, whatever. Here's what the Lord is establishing. In Solomon's porch, by the way, that's where the lame guy was healed, that Jesus healed. So you know there's miraculous things that have taken place there. When it says in the text, it says they were all with one accord at Solomon's porch. They were united. They were together. They. It's not that they thought every single doctrine perfectly exactly the same. They didn't even establish doctrines yet. That could not possibly have happened. What, what it was is they were all committed to making sure to honor Jesus Christ as Lord. They were committed to the gospel and to the cause. They weren't committed to ecclesiology as defined by, you know, this council and this year. And what, are you crazy? These people were making a decision to take their own lives at risk by saying yes to Jesus. It's just now that the Lord was going, yeah, but there's, uh, there's some backup power here. So you guys better be careful. And so when it says none of the rest dared join them, this is that anybody who might have been a pretender, might have been a spy, might have been a half-hearted follower, just just exited. <laughs> it's like you just be just you're in an assembly, somebody's not being truthful, God smites them. You're there, you're not supposed to be there, you're kind of checking it out, you're kind of like a fake Christian kind of thing. You're out. I'm out. Bye. Why? Because you could be next. You're no way, man. Out the door. Ironically, when there was a higher level of, I don't want to say holiness, a higher level of the call of the decision to make for Christ, verse 14 says the believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Men and women, not just men, men and women were increasingly coming in. So the people that were half-hearted or pretenders, out they go. But the real people that had a real desire and a passion to be connected to God, that increased. And the gospel is an amazing power. I think people forget that the gospel itself is the power. Remember what Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power. People forget that the power is in the gospel. It's not in the presentation. Oh, our church did a great job of presenting well, I can tell you right now, when the gospel was presented to me by my brother and by the other gentleman that was with him, they were terrible. <laughs> I'd give them a D minus, right? Worked. It worked. That's all that counts. It's not how the president, it's the message. And the power of God is in that message. And while other people were like, I'm not touching this, this isn't some new fad to connect to, 
other people were saying, I am in and I, and I commit with my life. And so you read that text and you go through, through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. We talked about this before three weeks ago. God is just the best church growth coordinator ever. He knows how to add to the church. And you know what else he knows how to do? Thin the herd. You think, oh, that doesn't sound right. Are you trying to say that there'll be less people in heaven than hell? Yes. Only I didn't say it. Jesus did. He said, wide is the road to destruction. Narrow is the path the people find to get to where you need. It's like people are like, well, does that mean God loses? No. <laughs> That's, only a human being would come up with that. Well, that means God lost. No. What it means is that God takes into eternity those who hearts are truly towards him. And if you are a genuine, Bible-believing, born-again Christian, you want more of the Lord. You just want him. If you're a person that's not sure, my encouragement would be find out. Take the step forward. Pursue the Lord. Double-check. Make sure you know. If you're like, I'm half in, I'm half out, you know what? Stop being half out, go all the way in, then see what the Lord shows you. It's such an amazing journey. My, my only disappointment in, in, in all this is that I cannot communicate to others who are close to me how great it is. And then I haven't done the best job of living it, so, you know, there's that part too. All right, don't forget trivia, the trivia answer. Who said, I don't know the man? That would be Peter, the uh, Apostle Peter, before he was really an apostle. The Peter dude said, yeah, no, I don't know the man. All right, folks, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break, we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. All of mankind destroying Like any person searching for answers, I too have wondered about him. He has a weird sense of humor. If people are seeking wisdom and insight from the great teachers around the world, would they go to David? No, I don't think so. Those big ears really don't help. Will people enjoy his perspective on culture, politics, food, sports, and local and national news? I don't know. He's just a client. Tune in to the David Spoon Experience on KAAM. What is the David Spoon Experience? Bibles are very cool looking. You can have them electronically. You can have them in your phone. You have them in your computer. There's tons of apps. There's also cool looking book Bibles. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. It's great. Here's the bottom line. All that's fancy and fantastic and useless if you don't read it and believe it and process it. For those that are trying to figure out, uh, first of all, well, why is it that the Bible is uh, its own unique entity? What's the deal in that? Well, the same breath that went into creating Adam, which was creating creation of man, that same breath went into the Bible. And so 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. That's the breath of God. And the breath of God that went into Adam is the breath of God that goes into the book, which is why this is a unique book. And then people are get, they get really upset, and they go, well, hold on now. Hold on now, Dave. 
the, the, the problem there is, you know, that, that there's just so many people that have been a part of uh, writing the Bible. In fact, there's about 40 authors spanning about 3,000 years in all different types of positions in life. But here's the great thing about Christian faith. If you believe that God created the universe, you're going to step out on that big ledge and go, well, if he created the universe, he can probably write a book. Well, the amazing part about the book itself is not just the self-proclamations of the book, but you get into the prophecies, and it's an amazing, amazing element that every single prophecy has been fulfilled exactly, and yet there are some to come, and we will see those fulfilled. But while you're engaging in the Word of God, here's something you need to be aware of that Christians do not recognize, that that word where it says, for the Word of God is alive, is zone in the Greek. If we were doing a Greek word, that'd be zone. And that word means alive, to live. Jesus used that word in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, where he says, Behold, I am alive, and I live forevermore. Same word. And the word of God is alive. And you think, well, this is just a book. It is just a book, except for when you're reading the word of God and the Holy Spirit connects you to the word of God, it becomes something altogether different. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Let's get ready for our last trivia question. Fast show today. A lot faster than yesterday. Yesterday was kind of like, you know, a little different, right? But then we're kind of like back, you know. All right, here we go. Uh, Okay, this is a good one. All right, Old Testament E, Old Testament E. <laughs> this is why I should never be like a professor. Even with the doctorate, I should never be a professor. I'd be the guy telling them, no, throw that out, you know. <laughs> so All right, here we go. Who presented the Israelites with the choice when he said, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve? Ooh. Who presented the Israelites with a choice when he said, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve? Okay? All right. And then go with your gut because there's another one that's close to it, but that's not the one I'm talking about. So I'm not talking about the, you know, uh, uh, on the hill thingy. All right? I just can't say anything. I can't say anything more because then it's just like giving the whole thing away. It's like I got to be careful a little bit. All right, uh, I got that. I got that. What am I missing? Am I missing anything else? I can't think of anything. Okay. All right. And then for Aunt Deb, think Aunt Deb, Old Testament, Old Testament. Okay, here we go. I'm just helping out. Yeah, that's what we do. All right, here's this last section um, on Acts chapter 5. Here it is. It says this. So they brought... Oh, somebody's calling in. So I'll read it, but then I'll stop. Then I'll reread it because we like doing that. So or I like doing that. So that they brought the sick out into the street and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities in Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So we'll get to that in a second. We'll go now to this the caller first and do the trivia. This is David. Who am I talking to? Yes, sir. This is Will. Hey, how are you? I'm a good. I hope you're better. I am better. Thank you. I love the way you say that. That's so good. 
<laughs> it's such a blessing to hear it that way. And I am better. I really appreciate that. Um, all right, my good friend. This is a this is not a difficult one, but one that people should know because people have to actually do this. Who presented to the Israelites with a choice when he said, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua. That is correct, Amanda! Absolutely. Joshua has said that. And a lot of people have that plaque. I had that plaque up on my wall for a long time. It's like, choose who you're going to serve. As for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. It's like, you got to make your choice. You got to go with it. And if you want to choose uh, people or other things, you have to live with that decision. I choose the Lord, and I will live forever because of that decision. Amen? Yes, sir. Amen. Good job, bro. Very you good. You have a blessed day, sir. All right. Thank you. God bless you. Bye. Bye-bye. Excellent work. Excellent work. See? There you go. And there you go. All right. All right. Let's go back to this text. I want to make sure we get this little part. Now, this is – I don't want people to uh, freak out here, so I want to say it right. All right. So this is verse 14. Believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitude of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the street and laid them on the beds and couches – which means they had couches in the street. Just dawned on me. It's like, wow, that could not have been an expensive couch. But anyway, uh, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people, that's number one, and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, that's number two, and they were all healed. Okay? First and foremost, how many were healed? They were all healed. How many were healed? They were all—it's not rocket science. They were all healed. Did Jesus heal, go into the hospital and heal everybody? No. He healed everybody who came to him, but he only—in the hospital, he only healed one person. Did you know, people are like, oh, let's see the person go into a hospital and pray for all the people there. Why? Jesus didn't do that. Why should somebody else? <laughs> That's my first thing. And yeah, the other people, Jesus healed. He politically did the right thing, spreading his healing to everybody. Wrong. <laughs> Stop doing stuff like that. But all who had the desire and all who pursued, they were healed. Now, here's the weird part, and you got to kind of deal with it and, and, and acknowledge it. When Jesus said, Jesus said, he that believes in me, these works shall he do and greater works than these, there is zero question that he was talking about the qual- quantity, not the quality. In other words, with Jesus taking himself and then showing the ministry and then distributing the Holy Spirit on the 12 and then the 12 on the rest of society, so to speak, filled with the Holy Spirit, the ministry exponentially would just be enormous. And Jesus, in a physical human body form, could not cover the earth the way that we can all cover the earth with the Holy Spirit in us, which is why the Holy Spirit fulfills the ministry of Jesus Christ on earth inside of us as we go out to the four corners. Okay, that's the whole gig, keeping it simple. But there's cool things that have always happened. For example, in the Old Testament, we had a donkey that talked to a prophet. You don't have that in the New Testament. doesn't mean it couldn't have happened. It's just you don't have it. It's like it's not there. And in this case, you have a miracle that is really cool, and you get to see these other miracles from take place with Paul and handkerchiefs. But in this case, Peter would walk by, and if his shadow had touched somebody, they would get healed. And you think, wow, Peter's and Peter's like Peter's got, I would say, virtually nothing to do with it. First of all, Peter has no control of his shadow. Okay. Second of all, all healing comes from God. 
It wasn't Peter's brilliance. But it's cool, and people should stop taking away from it. And what people do is they they try to either reduce it or they try to replicate it. Don't be a person who reduces the miracles, and don't be a person that tries to replicate it unless the Lord's told you to. The point of the shadow was that it was a contact point of faith. And they thought, if, he, if I can just get his shadow to touch me, I'll be healed. And God honored that faith. And you think, well, isn't it Peter that has faith? He has faith, but then so does the receiver, the giver and the receiver. And sometimes it's more one than the other, so to speak. Just look at Scripture. It talks about it all the time in different ways. There's not just one way to do any of it. There's one way of salvation. Everything else, well, that's pretty broad. And then we just expand it out. And so his shadow touches him. And so the, the question really in that, in that premise is, you know, they brought out the sick into the streets and laid them on the couches that at least the shadow of Peter, Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And if it did, they were healed. It's like, wow. And people say, well, how do you know they're healed? Well, the last part of the verse says, and they were all healed. <laughs> that, that's how you know. But it was a point of contact for the faith. So here's the question for you and for me, because we have to have practicality out of this. You, gotta have to, you have to have the dynamic application principle operating in our lives. What is it that you will point to? What point of contact do you need where your need will be met, where your things will be uh, taken care of? Where's your point of contact of faith, and are you operating in it? Like, I have points of contact where my faith increases. If this, you know, this, if I do this or this, it increases. What's yours? Figure it out. Bring it before the Lord. I mean, the Lord wants to heal people. Now, don't misunderstand. He's not going to heal everybody. I mean, even Paul said, Trophimus, have I left him? I leave sick. It's like, there's some people that ain't going to get there. Why? Well, you can't tell me Paul didn't have a gift of healing or ability to pray and heal people. He'd take his handkerchief and give it to people so people got healed. But sometimes the answer is no. It's like, okay. Even Paul asked for healing three times, and God said no. <laughs> I, I think God said no, don't ask a fourth. But that's just not in the text. I just think that. <laughs> it's just like God said, nope, 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 not happening. But the idea is to have a point of contact for your faith. And these people did, and he, and the, and the shadow, how powerful. Right? It just reminds you of the woman who said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I just got to touch the hem. If I touch the hem, I'll be saved. I'll be healed. Bam all. That's what happened. Because points of contact for faith are important to God. They show that the person is concentrating that mustard seed faith into a very specific place, which is why you heard me say, you know, we should have a little bit more laser, a little less splatter, a little more specific. Right? Oh, Lord, heal the whole world. Is your faith big enough for that? <laughs> Mine's not. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, Lord, heal my, heal my grandson. Ah, now we got something specific going on, right? Now I can target, right? All right. The point of all of this for us to, to utilize is for us to understand what they went through and understand how it impacted the church and also how it can impact us. And so the big lessons you pull out of this whole you know portion is that the Lord, he will show his holiness because he is not looking for half-hearted followers or pretenders. 
And if you think every person in every church is saved, you're nuts. They're not. Okay? God is looking for real, genuine, authentic believers. And in that process, we need to be aware of that in the framework of our church, which is a good reason for a church to continually give an altar call, by the way, for every service. And then on top of that, understanding that by the grace and the mercy of God, he does great and fantastic, miraculous world all over. He does work all over the world, demonstrating his love, his commitment, his grace, and his mercy. Many people just need a point of contact of faith, you and I included, right? That would be the lesson to this point. It's where we go from here that you're going to start scratching your head and going, really? And my answer is, yep, it only gets weirder. All right, folks, you've been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas, taking a 22-and-a-half-hour break. Then we'll come back. More Insanity with Spoonanity. Talk to you then. The views expressed in the preceding program were those of the speakers and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.